Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. Uh, last week, Todd picked the movie, and after that was a total nightmare. Uh, <laughs> I thought that maybe I would try to pick something this week and see if I could do a little bit better. So... <laughs> I guess it depends on how you define better. <laughs> So I went looking around on all, you know, my streaming services, and uh, the movie that caught my eye was 1994's Tammy and the T-Rex, mm. uh, starring baby Denise Richards and baby Paul Walker. Mm. Found this on Shudder, where it is available to stream in its original uncut version. The version that was originally released... Um, in 1994 was heavily edited to get a PG-13 rating and be considered more fun family fare. But fortunately, the version that we saw is the hour and a half uh, version with some of the original gore and um, a couple of other things put back in. I really didn't know a whole lot about this movie going in other than it looked and sounded crazy, and I thought that it might be kind of fun. Um, Todd, you know anything about this movie going in? (laughs) I didn't know a thing about it. I mean, 1994, I was in high school, well into high school, and I was a massive Denise Richards. um, I I was basically in love with her after Starship Troopers came out, which I think was only a few years after this, right? Uh She was 22 in this movie. And uh, as soon as I saw that she was starring in this, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a lot of fun. And I couldn't believe how young she was. This is a fun, <laughs> a fun movie. But I never I never heard anything about it before or since. I guess it was what released to VHS more or less and then kind of forgotten by history. Right. Didn't get a wide release and it didn't really function well as a family film in a PG-13 format because apparently um, well, I mean, clearly a lot large chunks of scenes would have to be cut uh, to cut out the tremendous gore that exists alongside this otherwise just goofy to the point of corny sex comedy, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> almost what is there are so many sex jokes in this movie. And it's it's so over the top. Like there's a doctor who talks, you know, has a heavy German accent. Uh, and he has an assistant, Helga, you know, who's tall and buxom, who barely speaks. And every other line in this movie is some double entendre or joke. And what I read, because we haven't seen the PG-13 version, but I read that the PG-13 version cuts out all the gore, but still leaves all of this sex jokes. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine, you know? Like, it's just so silly. Uh, yeah, I know. Honestly, uh, to even call this a horror movie is kind of a stretch. I mean, there are... I guess some horror elements and there is a little um, bit of gore and <laughs> there's a lot of gore and some really really fun practical effects uh but <laughs> really it's a screwball comedy yeah uh, you know we've done a few other movies kind of in this vein like I'm thinking like Spookies we talked about at one point Bloodbath at the House of Death so it's not entirely new territory for us but it is a little bit different than our usual fare but I have to say you know honestly when I was looking 
at what we should do this week. I watched the first five or ten minutes of two or three movies. There were a couple of others that caught my eye too, but um, just the first five minutes of this movie, I thought... <laughs> this is gonna be so good yeah so so finally once i landed on this i sat and watched it by myself as i always do and oh my gosh i was just giggling and laughing the whole time and i always take notes and i always take way more notes than i need to because i usually barely even look at them when we're actually talking um but what i had what i found myself doing in this movie was just writing down lines because there were so many hilarious lines <laughs> and it's and it's they're juvenile and stupid and you know right up my alley because yeah. i was just cracking up the whole time and the other thing that i really liked about this movie that i had really no idea going in is it's got I want to say an amazing cast. It's true. Not because it's cast full of Oscar winning <laughs> performers, but because there are so many recognizable faces in this movie and you know, somebody would come on screen and I'd be like, Ah, it's Buck Flowers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good old Buck Flowers. <laughs> or ah, it's that creepy kid from Children of the Corn. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, oh, it's Roach from The People Under the Stairs. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. So many fun, fun, fun cameos for people uh, like us who like these dumb movies. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so dated, too. And, you know, we live in this time, right? We love this late 80s, early 90s stuff. And, and this movie is just dripping with it. The costumes that people are wearing at points in this film are just over-the-top products of their time and the movie kicks off probably you know you watch the first 10 five minutes that that's pretty much just the title sequence right it's just these leering leering shots going through these girls working out in a gym with all their leotards and stuff on and this pumping you know like 80s pop sort of rock song in the background that somehow ties into the theme of the movie <laughs> the whole no the whole song is written from the perspective of a tyrannosaurus rex and it's hilarious <laughs> it's so funny and yeah denise richards plays uh tammy even though the titles the title card says Tanny yeah. and the T-Rex, and she's uh, billed as Tanny in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> What's the story behind that? <laughs> well, they, the the filmmaker, it's directed by a guy named Stuart Raffle, and I don't remember if it was he who said this, but somebody said, we just, we wanted to make everybody throw everybody off because you never really know what's reality the line between reality and and <laughs> fiction is so blurred and i i just in the back of my mind have to believe that that's just totally bullshit and they just screwed up the title card like yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't care to go back and fix it, it it's, oh, it's kind man. of a weird comic sans font anyway so you know it could it could have just been a typo oh boy <laughs> 
Oh, it's funny. But Denise Richards plays Tammy, and and she's, I guess it's cheerleading practice, and she's a terrible dancer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That may have to do with the fact that this movie was thrown together, I think, in three weeks. And the inception of the movie is is interesting to me, because the writer-director... Stuart Raffle, as I said, was approached by some guy who owned some theaters or something in South America, and he just happened to have this animatronic T-Rex. And he's like, I've got this. I'm going to be sending it to... He was going to be sending it to a theater or a museum or something within about a month, but he had it available. And so the writer-director was like, okay, I'll use it. And he wrote the script in about a week, and they filmed it over the next two or three weeks. And he has said that he's a a major cheater as well, because he wrote it so quickly that just in the moment as they were shooting, he would ask the actors or anybody else on set, do you guys have any better ideas? Because this is all I got. (laughs) Come up with some good lines for us, please. And you have to imagine that that happened. I mean, it had to have happened because some of these lines are so golden. Some of these lines are the kind of lines that probably have been in one person's head forever, and they were just dying to use them until given the, finally given the chance. <laughs> They're just groaners, right? Groaner jokes left and right. They are, but... But they're fun. They're so funny. Yeah. And and I think that part of the reason why the movie works is that I it seems like everybody knew exactly what they were doing. This is a bad movie, and they knew it going in. Yeah. They were making a stupid movie, and at times... It's so overplayed that it's ridiculous, but at the same time funny. And at times, especially Denise Richards, is like given her absolute all. You know, like (laughs) for in the most ridiculous situations, she manages (laughs) to play it straight. It's impressive. Yeah, yeah. Denise Richards is a beautiful, beautiful woman, but I don't think that anybody has ever accused her of being an amazing actress. No. (laughs) (laughs) But she looks great. And so she's dancing to the T-Rex song, and what turns out to be, I guess, not necessarily her boyfriend, but this guy that is interested in her and she's interested in, walks in, and it is a 17-year-old Paul Walker and I swear that throughout the course of the movie, I couldn't decide who was prettier, <laughs> Tammy or Michael. Yeah. Because they are both just Stunningly so Stunningly gorgeous people. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Paul Walker, he he looks 17. He can't weigh more than like 160 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> He's just this beanpole kid, but so cute and so charming and so charismatic. And it, it really is tragic that he was taken before his time. But it's also interesting to see these young actors, both of whom would go on to have successful careers. Denise Richards, you know, had her spotlight kind of in the late 90s, uh, early aughts. But Paul Walker passed away in the middle of one of the biggest movie franchises in the world in history. Yeah. So I think that his star would have continued to rise. And it's he seemed like a really cool guy, uh, a nice charitable, conscientious guy, and, and it, it really is sad that his life was cut short, but um, it was it was really nice to see him young and 
handsome. Not that he ever wasn't handsome, but <laughs> so anyway, he walks in. They're both wearing crop tops. <laughs> <laughs> Did football players ever really wear crop tops? I don't. I don't. Or was that just a thing in the movies? Not, not at my school. <laughs> not even at my school either. Even, that even I in the nineties, I don't remember that happening. But uh, nevertheless, in the films, you'd think they were all wearing them. And nobody got made fun yes. of the for it. And they, you know, they're cute, and they walk out together, and they bump into her friend uh, Byron. Byron, who <laughs> is just this, who introduces himself by saying, "Work it, girl." Like, and I don't know if he's talking to Tammy or Michael. Work it, girl. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Hi, Byron. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Meet Michael. It's a pleasure to meet you in the flesh. You know, Tammy talks about you all the time. <laughs> and I can say, girl, you didn't exaggerate one little bit. <laughs> well, I got to fly. Bye, Michael. <laughs> but he's just this completely stereotypical gay guy and stereotypical black guy in so much as the way that he acts and talks is really flamboyant. And then he dresses in like traditional, well, surely not really, but like faux traditional African garb. Like, I don't mm. know what. <laughs> <laughs> this Talking about race right now is, is very, you know, sketchy. Uh, but things were different in the 80s. <laughs> and 90s. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting in a better way, but you could kind of get away with playing to these stereotypes for comedy. And that is what is going on here. But he, he's hilarious. <laughs> like, he's so funny. Yeah. He's kind of her sidekick throughout the movie. And, uh, He's oh, funny. Such a I, I don't know. The actor's guy, the actor's name is Theo Forsett. He doesn't have. M- very many credits no. at all. In fact, I think it was like 20 years or something after this movie was made before he had one more acting credit or something like that. But funny, funny guy and, and paired really well. She's the straight man kind of in their duo and, and he's the comic yeah. relief. Just hilarious. It's good screenwriting, especially when you're on a rush trying to do something uh, fast as you throw this duo together and they're basically the duo throughout the movie. Yeah. With, with, with everything that happens and they can play to each other like Laurel and Hardy or Abbott and Costello. Yeah. And she pulls a flower out of her backpack and hands it back to, well, is returning it to Michael and says, I'm sorry, I can't accept this. And he's like, why not? And she's like, because he'll kill you. So they, she has a thing for him. He has a thing for her, but she has this ex-boyfriend who we're immediately introduced to. Because suddenly, just like a storm, a car pulls up and 20 people come jumping out of it, running up to them. Uh, and Billy is full on bully asshole. Like he should be in prison, kind yeah. of over the top. He's and, also like and, 35. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's supposed to be a teenager, but he, he they're doing their best to try to make him look young and it doesn't work. Michael, you gotta get out of here. I'm not running from this guy, Tammy. He's going to hurt you. And if he touches me, I'm gonna hurt him back. What the hell do you think you're doing, Billy, man? you're gonna get on I'm walking with trouble. this lady. You stay out of this. I'm walking with this lady. What do you think you're doing, man? I'm walk- That's my lady, all right? But Billy, leave you me alone. You stay out of this. Don't you touch, you man. touch me, man. Hey, man, come on. You know something? I'm not gonna kill you this time. It's cool. Stop it! 
he is just aggressively angry. And and this was, I mean, full on trauma mode, I think. Yeah. You know, oh, it reminded me so much of trauma. Yeah. Right. Every trauma movie has this character in it who's just insane. And, you know, he's going to kill somebody and he would be in prison if he existed in the real world. And it makes absolutely no sense that he's pretty much allowed to run around with with abandon what do whatever he wants in this movie and no authority figures whatsoever ever step in and do anything about it <laughs> and, and he's got a whole gang of lackeys like i six of them one of yeah. them you mentioned uh sean whalen uh roach from the people under the stairs he plays weasel and he's kind of <laughs> billy's uh sidekick but when she had given him that flower when tammy had given michael the flower it also had a bracelet on it apparently that he had given her um, and when he handed it, or when she handed it to him and said, I can't take this, he's like, oh, okay. And then he eats it. <laughs> yes. And what I thought, was that? what is happening? <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a setup for later. But yeah. in the moment, I'm like, what is... He, so weird. I guess he was being cute and funny. I don't know. But right away... Billy and Michael get into a fight, and it's a hilariously choreographed. Yeah. Um, and it ends when <laughs> Billy <laughs> grabs Michael by the dick, and, <laughs> and Paul I wish there are sometimes I that this. I wish on this podcast that we could show you things because the mm. way that he. <laughs> Like, arches his back and screams. <laughs> and freezes in place, <laughs> unable to move. <laughs> so the way for him to retaliate then is he then grabs Billy's dick. And so they're both just standing there squeezing each other's peckers. <laughs> in the meanwhile, Byron's going, oh, that's a good move. <laughs> Just in the background, casually. And then two police officers jump in. One of them is Buck Flowers. And they're going to break it up. And Buck Flowers looks over at the other guy and goes, Come on! But here is one of them testicular standoffs. You're not squeezing much, Michael! Oh, my gosh. That's, That's basically the through line of the whole film. It is. There's the tone right there. And uh, the cops finally get them apart, and uh, Billy is still, like, moaning and groaning, but Michael's not. And the cop's like, what's the matter, boy? Ain't you got a dick? And he goes, I got a cup on. And just smiles great big. (laughs) Just the silliest jokes. But Billy threatens him, and Michael tries to chase Tammy, but she incredibly melodramatically screams at the top of her lungs, Leave me alone! And runs away. Oh my gosh. And then we cut to a different scene with different characters, and that's when we meet Dr. Walkenstein, played by Terry Kaiser, who most people would probably recognize as Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. Ugh. And he's got this great German accent, and he's got, like you said, this assistant named Helga who's about seven feet tall and just busty and and sexy and, like you said, doesn't talk very much. And he's got a couple other lackeys, too. He's got one big, beefy lackey, and he's got this other, I don't know, 
the scientist or, like a or something. scientist computer nerd or something who's... I, I thought of him as kind of the igor to walkenstein's frankenstein yeah frankenstein excuse me his name's bobby and he's played by john franklin who was I, the main kid the leader of the children of the corn isaac the i think yeah and he has this big animatronic T-Rex. And that's something else that I love about this movie. Like, what it's going to come down to is <laughs> Dr. Walkenstein needs a brain to put into this T-Rex for reasons unknown. It's never explained. <laughs> he, he just wants to, I guess. Yeah. Your Igor character is put off by this because he thinks his computer is better. Like you said, there's no real... I'm trying to figure out why he decided to build a dinosaur to transfer a human brain into for these experiments. I mean, later, way later in the movie, he's talking with Helga, and we get a little bit of explanation in that he has this idea that we'll soon be able to transplant brains into robot bodies and nobody will ever die again. And that people will be able to transplant all kinds of bodies and they'll make so much money selling these robots. So why he chooses a dinosaur <laughs> for his very first experiment is a question that's never answered, of course, except for the fact that the producers of the movie had a dinosaur they needed to use. And I've got to say uh, that the writer-director of this movie, like you said, Stuart Raffle, He's pretty smart. I mean, you get an animatronic dinosaur that's kind of limited, and it's definitely not going to match Jurassic Park-level quality. Right. You don't want to make a dinosaur movie. It's going to look really stupid and lame. But he used the fact that's animatronic. Throughout the whole movie, we know it's animatronic. That's a plot point. And so, therefore, yeah, okay, that's fine. I mean, it, you know, it neatly gets around that problem of the effect, right? Uh-huh. But this assistant goes up, and then they, they test the dinosaur, and he goes up to test his strength, and he goes, test his strength! <laughs> and so this guy is like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, has this dumbbell at the dinosaur, which in its tiny little T-Rex claws just grabs it nonchalantly, tosses it right back at him. Right. <laughs> and then he... <laughs> In a scene that looks really dumb. And then he picks up a big log and he puts it into the dinosaur's jaw. And the man upstairs presses a few buttons into the computer and the dinosaur closes its jaw and just completely crushes this thing. It's excellent. Enough. My pet, all you need is mobility. I mean, life beyond this, this boring room and, and the limitations of a stupid computer. I, my love, will give you that freedom. I will give you everything. I will give you a brain. I will give you immortality. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He's just asking for trouble. Oh, it's hilarious. But you're right, because it does look like an animatronic. Now, to be fair, it's a pretty good animatronic. I mean, it's got it's some not bad. Relative, especially yeah. in the face, it's got some good movement. Now, the the arms and the walking, <laughs> when it, when it does actually become mobile, um, it, it's really, really hokey, but that is they're, that's they're not trying to go beyond that it's supposed to look hokey it's hilarious and then there are scenes later in the movie where 
Denise Richards is supposed to be riding the dinosaur, and you just <laughs> <laughs> you see it like from a distance, and it really looks like somebody just has like a toy dinosaur with a Barbie on it that they're like moving across the screen. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful! It's so good. It is. It um, is hilariously bad. Yeah. But getting back to Michael and Tammy, she calls him and she apologizes tearfully, and he's all glum. But she says, but I want you to come over. And then immediately he's super, super excited and happy. <laughs> oh, okay. And I'll be right there. I'll be I right thought, there. by the way, that was the most realistic scene and acting in the whole film. <laughs> yeah. And he like he jumps up and he puts on his jacket and he, he heads out the door and then he turns around and he comes back in and he opens his nightstand and he like rifles around in there and he pulls out a condom and he kisses it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then heads out and climbs the trellis into her room but some of Billy's friends see and and so they call Billy Tammy and Michael uh make out a little bit and say they love each other and they're both so pretty but then uh Billy's <laughs> Billy's gang shows up and like invades the house into the house <laughs> Like this whole gang of teenagers like breaks the door down. <laughs> Her parents are down there, um, and they're just standing aside basically while this happens. Yeah, yeah. they. Uh, what's his name? Michael goes out the window, but they chase him and they catch him and they beat him up a little bit and they throw him into the trunk of the car and drive to a wild cat sanctuary (laughs) (laughs) wild animal park which is secured by just a metal gate uh with a chain chain. and (laughs) padlock which they break through and uh drive their car into amongst lions that are walking around and jaguars roaming freely within this park or presumably preserved that looks like the size of you know like a a city a small city park and all these i don't know how this works but i would think that you wouldn't just have all of these different species of wild cats in the same enclosure but what do i know i don't know um and they're they're real cats i mean yeah (laughs) i mean there are I, I I have been okay. So Beijing has an actual zoo like this. It's called the Beijing Wild Animal Zoo or whatever. And I recently went there, and they have kind of like a Disney's Animal Kingdom, where there's a safari where you can get on a bus, and they take you through these areas where these wild animals are roaming fairly freely around the road, and you can look through the windows, and you can poke meat out and feed them and stuff. But of course, you know they're contained. There, it's like it's like a you know, Stalag 16 going through, you go in one gate, the gate closes behind right. you, a gate opens in front of you, and then you drive out. You know, they have all these measures to keep these animals in. And then there's another section of the park where you can actually take your own car through. So you can drive through a similar area where they're roaming freely in your own vehicle. And uh, about two years ago, it made, I think, pretty much international news where <laughs> a couple was driving through here with their parents in the back seat. And uh, the guy and the girl got in a fight, and this woman got out of the car and stormed around to the other side, and a lion just leaped out of the bushes and grabbed her and dragged her away. Oh, um, no. It's horrible. It's horrible, right? Like, and, and there's video of the entire thing. It's on the internet. I mean, you know, it, it's just, it's really distressing. But that's one thing you don't do in a wild animal park is get out of the car 
when there are these animals roaming freely. And what do they do once they drive into the, this park? And we've seen all of these animals roaming freely as they all just casually get out of the car and throw Billy on the ground. All I could think about was that in the back of my mind. I'm like, these people aren't terribly smart. No. You know? <laughs> but surprise, then again, surprise. Neither is the plot of the film. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So they, they leave him there. At first, he doesn't even know where he is, but eventually, he is pursued in the most docile of ways by a lion <laughs> and trotting then, after them. Uh-huh, and then, like, he climbs a tree, and then there's, like, a panther in the tree, and so he jumps back down out of the tree, and uh, the lion attacks him and mauls him until, I guess, like, a park ranger or something shows up and, and fires his gun and, and gets the lion off. But, you know, as is often the case for people who are attacked by lions, um, Michael is physically unharmed, but put into a coma (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) so so he's in a coma and uh we see him in the hospital and tammy and byron uh are there visiting (laughs) him and byron sits on uncle bob (laughs) there's this guy sitting (laughs) sitting in a chair against the wall uh, who's asleep, and Byron goes, oh, oh, what did I do? And she's like, oh, you sat on Uncle Bob. It's his only guardian. Mm-hmm. So we get this information that Michael is, you know, an orphan, I guess, or um, his parents died and whatnot. He is, this is his only living relative. Uncle Bob doesn't wake up after Byron jumps on, sits on him, but, you know. He's a drunk. That's that. the big joke is Uncle Bob's the town drunk or whatever. But unbeknownst to them, Walkenstein and Helga are also there at the hospital hunting for a brain, I guess. And they come in and hilariously fake Michael's death. I mean, (laughs) Walkenstein, like, Helga Helga messes with the machine to make it look like he flatlines, and then Walkenstein jumps on top of him, straddles him, and starts doing fake CPR. Yeah. Live, 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 live. Well, that's it. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I I did all I could. He's gone. (laughs) And both both Tammy and Byron faint in in horror. And they wheel Michael out. Once they get him outside, he wakes up from his coma. It's like, what's going on? So they (laughs) knock him out again and take him back to their lab slash warehouse where the T-Rex is. And then the the whole lobotomy (laughs) scene, it's just ridiculous. I mean, the whole time that I was watching this, I was thinking this was perfect fare for one of our favorite late night TV shows uh, of the eighties up all night. Like, Oh yeah. It it was just, it's slapstick, ridiculous comedy. Um, But this lobotomy scene is so hilarious. They've got him on a gurney or whatever. And the doctor Walkenstein saws his head off and it's some cheap, but reasonable practical effects with the cutting and whatnot. 
But then they take his skullcap off. Walkenstein starts poking electrodes into different parts of his brain and says, each part of the brain controls a different area. And he says, watch this. And he pokes the brain and Paul Walker's leg shoots up in the air. And then he says, oh, now watch this one. And he pokes it. <laughs> a huge, a huge fake wiener pops up underneath his gown. Oh, and like, he Paul just Walker keeps... gets like a three foot boner. <laughs> <laughs> and like, he, he just keeps poking it. So it just like is popping up and down and wiggling around. <laughs> <laughs> and walking scenes like I I will have to remember that one for later. Like oh, it's so silly. And he puts the brain in the T Rex, and I guess he says something like I'll full I'll I'll finish the procedure tomorrow or something like that. Like it's not supposed to be done. Everybody goes away. The the two lackeys, the big hulking one and the little Igor one, um, go off and like order a pizza or something. Uh, <clears throat> and when the pizza guy arrives, which by the way, the did you recognize the little pizza guy? He was uh, no. He was Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite. No kidding! You're absolutely right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the pizza guy comes in and and the T Rex starts moving and it scares him and he runs away and um, there's a little bit of comedy with the guys, you know, getting their pizza and whatnot. But then eventually the the T Rex is awake and the little scientist Bobby is like yelling at it, like telling it what to do or something. I don't remember. But then it <laughs> lowers its head and bites his head off. And this happens more than once. And it's so funny because the actors have to stand so still for this animatronic to be able to <laughs> lower down right over it. Like they, they yeah. virtually have to jump into it. <laughs> or like gingerly place their heads inside so it can rip their heads off. But it does. It rips his head off, and there's blood and guts and all kinds of stuff. And uh, when the big guy comes back, the T-Rex, I think, chases him outside and then crushes him somehow? Yeah, steps on his chest. and Oh, yeah, he steps on him and totally crushes his him. face. Yeah. All I can remember is that sometime later in the movie, Helga and, Wa and uh, Walkenstein find this guy, and Helga just rolls him up. Like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> he's just flat like a pancake. It's a total sight gag. And the way that the dinosaur walks is we get these shots from below up and we just see him gliding forward like they're pushing the animatronic along on a trolley. And then we'll get another close up shot of his legs where there's obviously somebody with, you know, dinosaur feet. Yeah. who's just stomping forward the rubber. You know, actually, yeah, I can, you can say the rubber might flex weird and stuff because it's an animatronic. So, you know, it's just a rubber skin over the outside. That's the, the brilliance of the effects of this movie, right? They're working with what they have. But then the T-Rex scares an old lady away off of a payphone, goes up to the phone, and then you just see his head is there, and you see these tiny little T-Rex arms, which <laughs> suddenly... <laughs> Have to have, have must have grown to be like four feet long to be able to do all of the things they're doing and to be able to move in the rapid and highly articulated way that the rest of the dinosaur cannot. To be able to pick up the phone, dial the buttons very casually, and call uh, the girlfriend. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Denise Richards, Tammy. It's so funny. Every scene where this dinosaur uses his hands, it's like just there's the dinosaur head and bink, up, up pops somebody's arm in a dinosaur claw, you know, glove who can then make hand signals and manipulate things and pick stuff up and do whatever in a very unconvincing way. Right. But... Check for loose quarters in the slot of the payphone. <laughs> it's so great. It is great. And and it calls Tammy, but it can't talk because it's a T-Rex. So instead, it goes off to a party. <laughs> Somebody's throwing a party. And for, for whatever reason, Tammy, even though her boyfriend just died that day, is there. But she's very, very upset. <laughs> Not upset enough, but very upset. <laughs> Denise Richards. Denise Richards sitting at a table with her arms crossed and a sour look on her face. Like... Uh, <laughs> She was she was perfect. This might be her finest performance, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> this and wild things. Meanwhile, Byron's walking up like, "Hey, cheer up, girl! It ain't that bad." <laughs> what? But, right, but Billy shows up, and so she's out of there. So uh, she leaves, and then we see that the T Rex is coming to the party and i love i mean this is 94 what year did jurassic park come out didn't jurassic park come out in 94 oh yeah or the year before yeah i think it was 93 mm-hmm. and and so they totally do the gag where you see you know like all the like red solo cups and all the other party cups sitting on a table shaking and people are like what's going on is it an earthquake <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, some skank has has gotten a hold of Billy and taken him off to a convertible where they have loud, loud sex with all of their clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Her legs are it. straight up in the air, and that car is moving. The convertible is moving like you wouldn't believe, and she is screaming. <laughs> but they both have their clothes on. Uh, and then the T-Rex comes over behind her uh, above, and her screaming just gets him more and more excited because her intensity level has, has risen. <laughs> I'm good, right? I'm good, right? (laughs) 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 Uh, But it comes down and bites her leg off. Uh Uh, Picks her up, actually, by the legs uh, and... I don't know, throws her away. What happens to I, her? Does she I, get I, eaten? What? I guess she does. No, no, because later when the cops arrive, there's a bunch of dead people. But one of the cops says, "I thought we found a bunch of a dead people and a one-legged girl over there. She's still pretty hot, though." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Billy runs away and runs into the party, uh, and the T-Rex chases, and then there's just carnage like i don't remember exactly how all it happens at some point uh weasel is peeing and sees that he's peeing on the foot of the t-rex and the t-rex takes its you know little rubber hand and scratches him down the front of his torso which totally disembowels him all of his guts fall out all over (laughs) 
and then it chases, it's in the party, and everybody's screaming and running, and it's killing people, and eventually it bites Billy's head off uh, again. That surprised me. I thought we'd see Billy through the whole movie causing trouble. But, I did uh, too, yeah. but no, he's gone. Um, but as it's chasing people, one of the people it's chasing is Byron, and Byron trips and falls, and the T-Rex picks him up, sets him back down on his feet, brushes off his jacket and lets him go on his way that was a nice touch <laughs> so so later so later byron's like i knew that t-rex knew me <laughs> oh gosh those little t-rex hands gingerly brushing the dust off of his shoulder was a really nice touch so funny god the the cops show up and and start trying to question people but like and, and the chief of police um turns out to be Byron's dad i think but uh buck flowers and the other guy are still there too and uh the chief is trying to ask people questions but they're not getting any answers and i'm pretty sure it was buck flowers who says they're in shock you're going to have to slap it out of them <laughs> <laughs> And these lines, they, 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 I wrote them down because I thought they were so funny. And now here I'm saying it and they sound so stupid and they are stupid, but you have to see this movie to really get the humor. Uh, I mean, take our word for it if you want, but really watch this movie. It's really funny. It is. Back to Helga and Walkenstein who are excited because even though the T-Rex wasn't supposed to have been activated yet, it proves that it works. Um, so they're all excited about that. Then the T-Rex goes to, uh, Tammy's house and she's just casually like, I don't know, brushing her hair or something. <laughs> in her bedroom. Yeah. When, when she sees it either in the mirror or she turns around and sees it or whatever, she screams and passes out again. And, uh, her parents hear her scream and go to check on her, but she's gone. And it looks like she's gone out the window, like the curtains are blowing out the window or something. She wakes up in a barn and that t-rex is there with her we keep saying t-rex it's probably what like maybe 10 feet tall like yeah, it's not it's, it's not, not enormous. as tall as, it's big but not that tall right i guess big enough to reach into the second story of a house Ooh, maybe not actually not really with its arms no maybe with its head even a 10 foot tall t-rex to be able to just apparently walk around town without being seen it's kind of mm -hmm. funny walked down the suburban neighborhood pulled her out of the window took her back to some remote barn and nobody reported it <laughs> okay <laughs> and this scene is hilarious too because denise richards plays it straight like at first oh gosh she's she's scared but then when it seems pretty obvious that it's not trying to hurt her then she like just goes along with trying to communicate with it and there's this whole scene where it's trying to explain that it's michael and it plays charades <laughs> <laughs> and and then somehow it has a, a flower and it eats the flower and it points to her bracelet and so finally she figures out that it's him and once she figures out that it's him she's totally fine with it and in love with him yes it's basically like we have a scene later where she is laying down with the dinosaur's arms wrapped around hers and they're both taking a nap i mean it's it's really pretty funny i was thinking actually shades of you remember a long time ago was it deadly friend 
Yeah. When the guy puts the brain, the girl's brain of this girlfriend who dies into another girl, was that right? A corpse? Or was I don't it a robot? What it was. It was Christy Swanson and And they end up in the barn. I don't remember. It's been a long time. Gosh, it was so funny. Some of these scenes were just like it too cuz like they end up in the barn and they kind of like passionately embrace and they lay down and they wake up the next morning and all this stuff. I was like, except in this case one was a giant animatronic dinosaur. <laughs> minor minor difference well she goes home and her parents are there with the cops outside and she just strolls up and she's like hi daddy and he's like where have you been and, and she he's like what happened she's like i don't know it must have been a meteor or something <laughs> <laughs> i just went out to see what if i could find it or or something like that she tells Byron, and she says, we have to get his body back. We can do it at the funeral. So then we cut to the funeral, which is just like, it looks like it's in, like, a parking lot or something. It's got all these <laughs> fake prop, like, cardboard tombstones. She is dressed like Six from Blossom or, like, <laughs> like the lead singer of Four Non Blondes in the What's Up video. Yeah. It's so funny. And they're like... They're just standing around, and there's a giant bush there, and behind the giant bush, apparently where only she can see it, the dinosaur's head is poking over the top, watching his own funeral. And drunk (laughs) drunk Uncle Bob gives a eulogy. (laughs) Everybody's crying, including the T-Rex, like... (laughs) Tears are streaming down its face. What? When did it get this ability? Yeah, so funny. This is my favorite scene because after it's all gone, the dino comes out and surprises Byron. I think this is the first time he sees it. But she it's like, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but we need to. And she jumps into the grave because I guess her idea is that they're going to try to get Michael's body out of there and get the brain back into his body. Was that what she was thinking? Uh Uh-huh. So she opens... She opens the coffin and goes, ah, because Michael's body is half decomposed and there right. are rats all over it. And maggots. <laughs> yeah. Like, what was she expecting to see? I, I just thought this was a this was hilarious. Like, this is a brilliant idea. Like, you know, it, it's such a movie thing. Like, oh, this person just died. We're going to open the coffin and we're going to embrace their body one more time. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and somehow... Helga shows up and they have a girl fight, which was funny. Tammy, I guess, after she fights Helga, I don't know. I'm trying to follow my notes. I have Helga and Tammy fight, and then Tammy <laughs> says to uh, Michael, "We're gonna find you another body. I promise." So Tammy and Byron go to the morgue where they just start oh, looking around, like shopping for bodies, <laughs> and they find one hot guy. And, and Byron's like, what about this one? And he lifts up the blanket, and she's like, yeah, yeah he's okay. And then Byron lifts it up further, and she like, gives, like, she doesn't like its dick. She's like, ooh, no, not for me. Um, but then the T-Rex is outside, so they start pulling all these corpses up to the windows for, like, it's a, for Michael's approval. But he keeps not approving, and at one point Byron lifts a girl up there. And Tammy's like, no, I don't want a girl. I want a boy. And Byron's like, well, it's not really up to you. It's up to him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they're interrupted in that because Helga and Walkenstein 
try to steal the T-Rex is in the back of this big truck and, and they try to steal it, I think. And so, uh, Tammy and Byron have to run out there. And I think that the, the police are out there and somehow Tammy and Byron end up in the truck and they take off and the police start chasing them. And Byron says, hang on to your boobs, girl. It's going to be a bumpy ride. And Denise Richards grabs her boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and just holds on to him. Oh, it's the silliest thing. It's so funny. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, there's a little uh, car chase. Byron, they pull over, and Byron gets out and tries to stall, but uh, he gets handcuffed, and that's when we get the amazing shot of Tammy riding the T-Rex. Mm. And then it all kind of comes to a head the next morning. That's They go back to their same barn that they were at before, and that's when you see them waking up in the morning, like, spooning, like the T-Rex is spooning her. <laughs> and, and Byron comes there. He knows to go there because that's she, Tammy, had told him that's where they went last time. But unbeknownst to him, he's been followed by the police and Walkenstein and Helga show up. And that's kind of where the final, I suppose, showdown happens. And the whole time I was looking at the time, not because I was bored. I was not at all bored watching this movie. But I realized there were still like 10 or 15 minutes left. And like, what are they going to do? Yeah. And this last scene just kind of stretched out for a while. But uh, it was funny nonetheless. Showdown at the barn. <laughs> I, 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 I don't remember I think she she shouts out to the cops leave him alone he's my boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> and then Byron's like uh, give me something white she's like I don't have anything white he's like oh I know you do and then the next shot is they come stepping out of the barn and he's got I guess her bra uh, that he's waving on his stick. And they're like, oh, well, we're not surrendering. We've come to negotiate. And there ain't going to be no negotiation and all this stuff. Anyway, uh, the doctor has trying to convince the cops that he's going. he can go in and shoot it with a tranquilizer. And at this moment, I'm thinking, what good is that going to do? It's animatronic. And at that point, the doctor's, the I think maybe Byron speaks up and says, what good's that going to do? He's not a real dinosaur. He's animatronic. And the cops are like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the doctor comes up with some bullshit explanation like... It's a new system. Brand new. It's very secretive, but under the circumstances, I suppose I have no alternative. You see, the dinosaur has a <clears throat> new memory system. A new computer created by growing, licking crystals into memory cells. It's very new, very new indeed. In fact, it is so new that, I mean, we are hoping that it'll put America back on top. And the two rednecky cops look at each other and go, okay, I approve of that. <laughs> he pulls out a gun, a tranquilizer gun that's massive. Relax, this is a tranquilizer gun. I know it looks big, but they don't make small tranquilizer guns. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> and then he walks in, but does not succeed because, of course, he gets attacked by Michael, who very quickly takes a huge bite out of the doctor's chest, and he falls backwards. Uh, and Helga runs up, and does she get it too, or does she get away? I don't remember. I think she gets away, but first the T-Rex spits Walkenstein's guts all over her Guts chest. out. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and she runs away, and then the cops all open fire on the dinosaur uh, completely. And, and, he, and he goes down, because shooting animatronic animals kills them, I guess. Um, yeah. 
and Tammy falls to the floor, caresses the dead dinosaur, and weeps. And, you know, yeah, you, you, you think that's it. But no, then it opens up back at her house, and it's daytime again, and she very happily trots up to her house and greets her dad and goes inside. Her parents are like, I'm a little bit concerned about her having him up there like that. And I was thinking, what? But she mm-hmm. goes she goes upstairs and she starts talking and then you hear Michael talking to her and she has his brain <laughs> in a bowl <laughs> hooked up to her computer and to a video camera mm. <laughs> and apparently <laughs> he can talk to her through the computer and he can see her through the camera and she's like hey baby how are you does baby want a treat <laughs> and then <laughs> she says something about i heard they found some frozen skiers i'm gonna check into that later but then she does a strip tease for him, and he's like, oh, yeah, oh, baby, oh, and sparks shoot out of the computer. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end. I got really excited there for a bit because I thought, uh, you know, Neith Richards was going to do like a full on like Elvira at the end of uh, Mistress of the Dark or something. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. Am I about to witness Denise Richards first nude scene? Yeah. No. But she takes off her skirt, and that's enough to send uh, this guy into convulsions. So uh, she's got some like sexy lingerie on, yeah. doing her little, doing her little dance. It's awful. Trying her best. Oh God, it's not her talent. It's so funny. Uh, I can only imagine that anybody listening who has not seen this movie must just—it has to sound like the most awful thing in the world. But it's really not. It's it's. <sighs> Now, to be fair, it's completely juvenile and stupid, but it just totally speaks to the 14-year-old boy in me. Yes. And I just enjoyed it so much. It was, it was fun, and I laughed and laughed, and yeah, there, there was the blood and gore, um, and that's great. Of course, you know, I love that stuff, but this, uh, you know, you and I haven't talked about it a lot on here, because I think we don't want to bum people out, but, it's kind of not the best of times. And, um, uh, you know, emotions are high and, and we're all kind of stuck at home for the most part. And there's all kinds of shit going on in the world. And so just to be able to sit down for an hour and a half and just look at something stupid and just laugh and not have to worry about the stuff that's going on in the world. It was a really nice reprieve, and frankly, I needed it this week. And uh, I would, I would wholeheartedly recommend this movie to horror fans, to to screwball comedy fans, um, even just people who are interested in you know oddities. I just had so much fun with it. This is a goofy movie in the Mel Brooks vein, right? It knew it was funny. It was playing it all totally up for laughs. Got a little bit of trauma in there with sort of the comedy mixed with the extreme gore and the blood. I think that that balance still works for me. I mean, it just adds to the fun, I think. It adds to the over-the-topness of it because these gore effects are none of it's played seriously. No. You know, it's all completely over the top. It's all hilariously rubber. 
and over the top. But it's fun. It works. Actually, that dichotomy works. And we'd be remiss if we didn't say a few more things about the director of this movie because he says that he's the guy who people call when they have a project like this. Like, they need a writer and a director who can come in on some tax evasion movie scheme, which he said this basically was, and quickly write something up and quickly shoot it and make it fun and entertaining. And he even, he's done the Ice Pirates. Have you ever seen that one? Uh Uh-uh. That is a hilarious, goofy movie, kind of sci-fi that he came in and, and ended up doctoring up. But he did Mannequin on the Move, you know, the yeah. second one. Uh-huh. Mac and Me, which is a, just kind of like this movie, you know, just super still silly, corny, but has a strong appeal, I think, for kids. But then he also did the Philadelphia Experiment, which is a kind of well-respected science, science fiction thriller. And he gets all of his, most of his residuals, he says, from uh, having written Passenger 57, the Wesley Snipes uh-huh. uh, thriller. At least he wrote the first draft of it, and he apparently still makes a ton of money off of that. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, this guy knew what he was doing, delivered, I think, in spades on the job he was given, somehow managed to make this uh, animatronic dinosaur that he had for two weeks into a full-on film that is fun and entertaining to watch. Uh, I enjoyed it. I loved every minute of it. And you're right. This is exactly the kind of levity that we need right now so yeah absolutely well good i didn't i didn't know if you would like it or not i i i actually kind of picked it as revenge <laughs> oh you thought i'd hate it huh no i didn't think you i didn't think you'd hate it, it turned out and i really am glad that you enjoyed it i it, as soon as i got into it i i thought that it was right up our alley so i'm glad you enjoyed it's really it. really fun all right. Well, anyway, thank you for listening to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend. We would love to get uh, some more listeners. And if you have any opinions about this movie or any of the others that we've done and you'd like to talk with us, uh, drop us a note on Facebook or on our website. We love to hear from you guys, and we really try to respond to everybody who, uh, who gets in touch with us. Uh, you can find our podcast all over the place. Just Google Two Guys in a Chainsaw podcast. And we will be back uh, sometime in the near future with a brand new movie for you. So until then, I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. With Two Guys in a Chainsaw. Uh-huh.